the Gridiron Show and it is the first post-draft Gridiron Show. So Simon Clancy and Matt Sherry are going to join us on the line to talk about the drafts we liked, the drafts we didn't like, the value, the terrible picks, all of that is coming up in this show. And we are going to be revealing the Gridiron Tour for 2017 in association with Touchdown Trips. You're listening to the Gridiron Show. Gridiron Show first post-draft episode for 2017. Ollie Hunter joining me from the studio. Hello, Ollie. Hello. I am Will Gavin, as always, and Matthew Sherry's on the line as well. Hey, guys. Hey. Rarity here. We're going to let Matt Sherry talk during the intro to the show. It's a real honour. Hey, and as it should <laughs> it be. Sounds as it sounds it. <laughs> Uh, you've got back from Philadelphia earlier this week, Matt. Uh, let's start off with, before we get into the draft, and we're going to be going through on this show today, some of the categories, some of the moves we liked, we didn't like, some of the drafts we didn't, didn't like. Simon Clancy is going to join us for that. And we're also going to be announcing our Gridiron Tour for 2017. But Matt Sherry, first of all, tell us how Philadelphia as a city did the, for the draft in 2017? Well, I think it's been widely acknowledged that they did an insanely good job. I mean, it was it, it was better than any Super Bowl I've ever been to in terms of the, the was that because we weren't there around the venue? I mean, yeah, that that played a part as well, obviously. Um, You're out of order, but mate. in terms in terms of the stuff around the venue and the way the city kind of really latched onto it, it was it was absolutely outstanding. And, can't really believe it. The sight from the the stage, um, viewing over all those people, and I know they showed it a lot on the TV coverage, was just out of this world. I mean, you had a hundred thousand people packed into the a big area, and obviously the setting on the rocky steps, and that was it was just outstanding. And, where, and where, any, which is whereabouts were you based for most of it? Oh, in a tent behind the stage for most of it. But I did manage to sneak on to the staging area several times. Brilliant. Why weren't you? They let an orangutan make a pick. They let uh, San Martino make a pick. Why weren't you out there making a British pick for the Jags, mate? Who knows, buddy? I uh, I tried, but there was another. There was a pick from London again, wasn't there? Am I think I? there were two picks made from London. Yeah, there were. There were. Yeah. The, the those those people were way more important than I am, thankfully. And more important than an orangutan. Um, did you get to speak to Mike Mayock? Was he as angry off screen as he was on screen? He was, uh, we spoke to him a little bit just before the draft, but he was, we went to NFL Network Media Availability and I had like 10 minutes one-on-one with Charles Davis, who I think is outstanding and maybe the nicest guy I've ever met. And it was hilarious to see I'm, the difference. I, I've never been more offended, but carry on. Yep. Hilarious to see the difference in crowd between like, the, there was him there, Daniel Jeremiah, Brian Billick, all these names. And a lot of them you could speak to, like even David Shaw, I managed to get a couple of minutes with on, on my own, and then if you looked at the mail table, he was like four people deep. He's living off past drafts. I'd think he had a poor draft. I'm going to say <laughs> no, he again. Never, Ollie. He did. He had a f- very poor first day. He was all over the shop. If you Ollie, watch it Ollie back, was just Ollie was very disappointed that we didn't get more David Shaw on day one because they let him talk when the Stanford players came out, but for some reason they barely spoke to him beyond that. And you're absolutely like, ludicrous decision. He's that got one of the best head coaches currently in college football, a real rising star. Give him a chance. Yeah, I, I thought Mayock was good when it came to the mix and pick. 
I thought he was actually quite good then. Um, I didn't see much of the second and third rounds, I, I've got to I, admit. But the first round, he must have upped his game if you thought he was any good uh, from that first round, mate, because poor from him, poor. Mayock was the king of day three. Not only was his analysis brilliant all the way deep into the draft, but just how little time he had for all the nonsense that happens on those latter days with those weird little celebrity picks and stuff like that was just superb. And he was so honest about it on TV, considering it's an NFL product. It was very funny. Um, look, the, we did have can, one can question. Can we talk about, about the, the, other, the other thing? Like, I, I'm not a huge Roger Goodell fan. But increasingly, increasingly, am. I love that he's just gone full, full WWE heel at this point. At these I, I see. I, it's 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 gone too far for me. I think we need to look at a situation where Goodell, where where Goodell, one leg. <laughs> what? If you go on the internet, there's there's an image of him picking his nose and wiping it on the back on the dress of a girl with one leg. As the walk-off stage. incredible. <laughs> oh, my God. I've not seen that. But my problem is, in that first round, I think, like, the reception Jaws got when he came on in the second day, I don't see why you don't have... Roger Goodell introduced the draft, but they either have a legend from the city you're in or a Hall of Fame player for each of the teams or something like that to introduce the actual picks themselves. Because... It's just that constant fight between the booing and the pick itself. Why are more current players involved as well? Current players would be great to do it. Did anyone see the little uh, interchange uh, when the Steelers picked Juju Smith-Schuster and Martavis Bryant, let's remember, only just reinstated to the league, (laughs) tweeted out, he's not here to replace me, he's here to replace at Sammy Coates. And Sammy Coates replied on Twitter just going, lol, (laughs) <laughs> You're just like, um, Amazing. Sammy, I wouldn't get too excited because that might be true. <laughs> it might Didn't be true. Mike Tomlin then get involved on Twitter Mike Tomlin well? then, yeah, tweeted. He's, I think he's tweeted like 19 times ever. He also just tweeted them going, play nice, boys. So somebody's obviously let him know. That's that's great. The the moment of the draft for me, got to be Drew Pearson and that pick where he well, gets... So, so Andy... Andy Giddo tweeted us. I've got, I've got, I've got it this in. Andy Giddo tweeted us and asked, which was the best draft speech? Was it Drew Pearson or was it Tack McKinley? Talk us through the Drew Pearson pick if people haven't seen it, Ollie. Oh, man. So Drew Pearson, he's a wide out from, uh, that, that, that played for Dallas, introduced by Roger Goodell, immediately gets booed because he's a Dallas guy. And then he just goes on and on ranting about how, <laughs> thanks, thanks Philadelphia for making me a... For, for for my career in the NFL as an undrafted free agent I'm here to announce the 60th pick uh, for Jerry Jones for the Dallas Cowboys it was fantastic the booing gets louder he gets more vociferous it was fan that's the best moment apart from the, the, the cancer kid in the first round that's a really horrible way of saying it but apart from that kid little TJ that was the moment oh of the draft for me uh, what Drew Pearson <laughs> yeah. at the at the event, Sherry? Sorry, I'm just recovering from. Yeah, so am I. I, think I, I don't think we're ever. Yeah, you you badly. You've just slurred Mike Mayock. To... Oh, right, I'm right. Forget all this. I'm talking about the tour, the Gridiron Tour for 2017. <laughs> the announcement will be upon. It's tomorrow morning, Friday morning. But we are going to give you a little bit of an exclusive right here because we can announce that the tour has been firmed up. 
We have picked the games we are going to. Have we? Um, to explain to explain at this point, yes, we have, Ollie. Okay, Look great. at your email chain. Come on, mate. <laughs> Sorry. Um, joke, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't joke. Right. But, no, I've seen it all. We, we have, and it's really exciting. I was just kidding. Right. Never joke about the tour. I've learnt this. So there were there were two versions of the tour we were considering, and the original one of them was closer to the price point we were originally discussing, and the second one came out about four hundred pounds more. But for what you were getting for the value for that extra bit of money, it's so worthwhile. So here is how the Gridiron Tour for. 2017 will pan out in association with our good friends at touchdown trips and ben mortimer is going to join us later on the show we're going to be flying into houston on the saturday sunday night we have a problem game, already afc south colts at texans monday night bit of free time in houston we're going to go watch the monday night football game in a bar tuesday oh. traveling to new orleans spending some time in new orleans going on a swamp tour maybe catching a pelicans game Friday night, Friday night lights game in Baton Rouge. I mean, you can try, Ollie. Okay, thanks. Um, Catching a high school game in Baton Rouge. (gasps) The following Saturday, a game at LSU with 115,000 other people as they face off with Arizona. (laughs) Then on November the 12th, the Sunday, this is, I mean, this is a possible NFC title game Game we're talking about. It's a literal game changer. Flying into Atlanta, for the Dallas Cowboys at the Atlanta Falcons with tailgate and everything as well before on Monday heading down to Carolina for Dolphins at Panthers. Can I just ask, that Atlanta game, it's not in their old stadium, is it? It's It's in their brand spanking new Mercedes-Benz Enormo Dome. Uh, Enormo Dome, that's what she said. You're getting four great games. You're getting a high school game as well. You're visiting three of the best stadiums in the NFL. We're getting the tailgates. We're getting everything involved. It's excursions out in those cities. All of your flights, hotels, and transfers included for just 2695 It's ridiculously good. The value on that is absolutely ludicrous when you consider everything involved. And the fact that we're going to see three games as high quality as those three games... It's just stupendous, Matthew Sherry. It's outstanding. I mean, I think that's the key as well. Is It's slightly more than we were hoping for and slightly more than we could have done it for, but ultimately we decided the opportunity to go to games like Dallas-Atlanta was worth a little bit of extra because it's once in a lifetime anyway, but to get in that new stadium in Atlanta and see yeah. them play the Cowboys, I mean, that is that might be the most exciting game on the NFL schedule next year. So... Yeah, it's going to be absolutely awesome, and we hope as many of you guys can join us as possible. And if you're going to equate this to a draft pick, it's like a first rounder dropping to the third or fourth round. It's like it's it's a steal. (laughs) It's a steal, guys. And not only that, but you're going to get to spend ten days in the company of me, of Ollie, of Matthew Sherry, of Simon Clancy. Slightly less in the company of me, sadly. And uh, and plenty of other football fans who are going to be joining us. We, we kind of, what we did was we canvassed actually the people who had already paid a deposit to see if they would want to pay that little extra. It's basically like £400 more for four extra days. So when you even just work out like that and pl- with an extra game in there, everyone was on board with the slightly more expensive, but it is so... Such good value for money. You couldn't do a trip like this with the quality of the stops, hotels, everything else for a better price. And 
I'm so excited about the whole thing. We will speak to Ben about it later in the show as well. But t- the first availability tomorrow morning, we'll be sending out an email, I believe, from Gridiron. We will. You'll be able to book. Ben will explain this better later on. But you'll be able to book and put down your initial deposit. And then you'll have until 12 weeks before the tour, basically around the start of the season, a couple of weeks beforehand, to pay off your full amount. So there is time to pay off as well. Get sign off from whoever you need it from. Take out that small personal loan. Dive into your overdrafts because this is going to be well, well worth it. And can I just say to the guy who tweeted us about the fact that he was trying to persuade his wife to have their holiday there. This is genuinely serious for anybody. We are very conscious that this could become a trip for couples and families and even people who might not be as interested in the NFL. And we've built a lot of activities into the itinerary and a lot of other potential outside activities that will really suit that demographic as well. I mean, basically, we've done it purposely so that the the whole week, Monday to Friday, there's a lot of free time in that week for people to basically spend some time with wives or girlfriends or boyfriends who may not like the NFL, anything like that. It's absolutely fine. We've got a lot of other stuff planned. So please don't be put off thinking about that. Yeah, some of the best cities in football, some of the, you know, and and actually, do you know what? If, say, you wanted to come with your uh, other half and they wouldn't necessarily want to attend the games, for example, because they just want to spend time in Atlanta, Carolina, wherever, I'm sure that we could have a word with Ben and we could sort out trying to figure out the cost of a ticket without paying for the tickets for the games. Because there would be, obviously, they take up a big cost of the tour. You know, tickets to a game like Cowboys Falcons at face value, you're talking about, a, a lot a few of hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if that's part of what you want to look at, absolutely. All are welcome. And uh, we promise we will make it as family friendly as humanly possible. As family friendly as it can be in the company of Ollie Hunter. Um, and I was thinking about it as well. <laughs> Considering we're going to be getting, you know, buses between certain cities and stuff like that. I think we've got to be doing some live pods while we're out there as well. Live pods. Like, oh, without question. Our, our time some code. Pods and some pub pods and some... Whatever else. I'm going to time code this particular thing. What about T-shirts? Can we get a T-shirt sorted uh, out? Where, where, you get, where you getting T-shirts and with, a lot with of the other t- You know, like a, with the icinery on the back. Like a, like there, a band there's, T-shirt. There's, there's a lot of stuff like that that will be free in a goodie bag for anybody who attends plants. Oh, so, yeah, you'll get a little bit more for your money as well. We, me, and, uh, me and Ben were chatting about a lot of that stuff this morning and T-shirts... Or something of that ilk, and a couple of other things are very like much that. on the agenda. I like, I like the idea of that. So you get a souvenir to take home as well. Brilliant. You do, yeah. You get some souvenirs as well. All right, cool. Right, gents, we are going to talk more with Ben about this later in the show, but let's move on and talk about the 2017 NFL Draft and about all those great players that were picked by the teams we're going to be seeing on that tour. And joining us now on the line to do that is our draft analyst. Can we say that? He's our in-house guy. Uh, he really Simon, is, yeah. He, he really is. Simon Clancy, hello to you, sir. Hello. Hi, guys. Hello. That was, a re- that was really enthusiastic. I'm hello. really pleased. <laughs> uh, have you slept since the draft just constantly for the last four days? Pretty Clancy. much not. I've just been... I already started on 2018, actually, which is really sad. <laughs> Glorious. Well, we expect your... I've decided to do that, uh, Clancy, but well I'm, only gonna com- I'm only going to concentrate on one particular player pl- no not yet one player and it's uh, my favorite fullback out I've of chosen a punter from <laughs> yeah, texas christian no what i'm gonna do is just concentrate on one particular position 
Nice. Not the quarterback. That's boring. I'm. It's up for position. It's up for debate. What I'll do? Maybe the tight perhaps end. The I love audience. a tight end. I bet you do, you dirty dog. Yeah. Uh, perhaps the audience could um could oh, pick a which idea. position. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put that out there. Loving that. Okay. Great. As a Packers fan, I think it should be corner. Um, Whoa. So let's, let's crack on and talk about our different categories, and we'll start off with teams whose drafts we liked. As many articles will have called them the winners of this draft. Uh, I will start with, do you know what, Simon Clancy. Okay. Who, give me a team whose draft you liked. The, uh, I, I think there's there's probably five teams that I really liked. I liked the, what the 49ers did. Mm-hmm. I liked what the uh, Browns did. I liked what the mm-hmm. Bengals did. I liked what the Texans did. But for me, the winner is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, yeah. Um, I was o- going to choose that as well, oh, but I didn't. See. Snooze, you lose, buddy. Yeah. Um, OJ Howard, yeah. Justin Evans, Chris Godwin... Uh, a name I can't read. Jeremy McNichols, the running back out of Boise, and then the big uh, defensive tackle, Steve T- uh, Tui, whatever his name is. Tui Kolo Vatu. That's the one from USC. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, Kendall Beckwith, the linebacker from LSU uh, in the fourth round. I, I thought that the Tampa had a really good draft. Really good. And I think the be- you know, the Bengals came out of it with five five legitimate starters in John Ross, Joe Mixon, Jordan Willis, Carl Lawson, uh, and Ryan Glasgow. So I thought they did mm-hmm. a good job too. But I mean, the, the, the NFC South went from our division of disgrace three seasons ago to now being one of the most competitive divisions in football. And Absolutely. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be that surprised if the Buccaneers send uh, a, a team to the Super Bowl in the next couple of years, making it three in the last three or four different a- NFC South teams to go all the way. So I like that a lot. I, um, I also had the Browns and 49ers uh, on my list. I think the Browns three impact players in the first round we discussed at the time but what I liked was allowing Deshaun Kaiser to fall to them at 52 I'm not saying he's necessarily the quarterback of the future but I like the process they're going by you pick a quarterback you see if it's the guy that's going to work for you um, and uh, you don't go and make the reach for it Uh, well I mean we discussed the first day moves for the 49ers but then to trade one of those bear picks on day two for a 2018 second rounder in the Alvin Kamara trade they basically got in the first round who they wanted by moving down one spot and picked up a second and third rounder for next season. I think, as um, it all shook out. I, I think John Lynch and uh, Carl Shanahan uh, did, did a wonderful job, actually. And just going back to the to the to the um, the Buccaneers, and you look at that kind of as they'll always be married together. You look at Winston and uh, and Mariota. Both te- what both teams did really well was essentially surround those two players with as much talent as possible. So you look at the Titans; they brought in Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor and John O. Smith. Um, and with Tampa, you know, O.J. Howard and Godwin and McNichols in the backfield, you know, so you're just trying to give those young players who are about to mature into that, hopefully take that next step, and, you know, you're surrounding them with as much talent as possible, and that, I think both teams should be applauded for that. Absolutely. Completely well, agree. What, what I loved is there were, there were a couple of drafts, like the Titans stood out to me, where they drafted players who I could see fitting within their own scheme, um, which is... Again, I feel like we say this every time we do a podcast. That that should be the basic principle Prerequisite, of a general yeah. manager. But it, it, it's it so rarely happens. Like, Adoree Jackson, to me, is the perfect cornerback for a Dick LeBeau scheme as a guy who will make breaks on the ball and will we'll see opportunities there. I wasn't massively in love with Corey Davis and where they picked him, but ultimately they needed a guy like that. I'd have gone with the tight end and O.J. Howard there, but... You can't criticise them for that too much. Another team I thought had a really nice draft was Washington, um, yeah. who got Jonathan Allen yeah, after he yeah. fell. Ryan Anderson is a really solid player from Alabama. And then Perrine, the other running back from Oklahoma in the fourth round, I thought was one of the, 
the better value picks of the of the weekend as well. And yeah, I was similar to you, Sam. I really love what the Bengals did. Funnily enough, liked what the Bengals did, despite not loving their their first pick. I, I didn't yeah. love the John Ross pick at all. Yeah, yeah we we were kind of lopstep on that. But yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, the interesting thing about John Smith is that because essentially you already have, obviously you already have AJ Green, and now you have what John Ross does now is make Joe Mixon better actually because you are not going to be able to play single high safety against the Bengals if you've got Ross on one side and AJ Green on the other. You're not going to be able to do it. So that immediately takes one man out of the box and you're going to have to play two high safeties. So that means that that it takes the pressure off Mixon and the running game, but it also takes the pressure off those two tackles because obviously with Whitworth gone uh, the, and the issues on the on the right side, now it means that Cedric Obwe and Jake Fisher, who have flattered to deceive in the two years since they were taken first and second, are now going to have to come in. But what they're going to be doing is not facing extra men in the box because of the speed they now have on the perimeter so it's that kind of match and move game that we talk about often but I think what that's what Ross does obviously takes the top of the defense but it means that you're just going to sit in in two high safety rather than single high which is going to open things up underneath I think the the interesting part about it is and I mean the mixing one is the difficult one because the mixing one makes the Ross pick better because in yeah. reality forget the other stuff they've got a first round talent in yeah. the second round yeah. now yeah. Uh, would I have selected him absolutely not but ultimately let's see how it works out in, and from a talent perspective but then rounds three and four they just killed it Jordan oh. Willis a lot of people had mocked in the first round good player Carl Lawson is a guy who is a really really good player But Carl Lawson was a top players. ten pick coming into this season yeah you know. exactly and just one of those where if he loses the, loses a bit of weight again you could see him being explosive and dominant from the start Josh Malone from Tennessee is a guy I really liked as a late round yeah. sleeper and then as you mentioned Ryan Glasgow is a guy yeah. who is kind of plug and play really is plug and play as you get in the fourth round so that whole third to fourth round for me was the best stretch any team had in the draft yeah. for me I, quite I, I, li- I for me I quite liked um, I quite liked what the Chargers did picking up Williams yeah. where they did really helping out um Philip Rivers with Keenan Allen we're not sure how he's going to be when he comes back but then round two and three picking up two guards which could be starters in Forrest Lamp I love Lamp and Dan Feeney as well um, Lamp has potential to move out to tackle as well so I really liked what they did there and, and then and De- Desmond King in the fifth round yeah, exactly Desmond King in the fifth gra- fifth round is the opposite of Jenkins who they got in the fourth round but I think they'll complement each other quite well and especially will help out with, with Verrett and, and Hayward et al there so I quite like what the Chargers did interesting about the Chargers though because I think that the, the Williams pick is a statement on on how bad the Allen recovery is because actually mm. they're pretty yeah. stacked at receiver if you look at Travis Benjamin well, the, the you look at Dontrell Inman you look at last year. You know, Terrell Williams and, and Dontrell Inman I mean the two of the quietest you know two of the quietest seasons in in kind of NFL history really. I mean didn't Inman have over a thousand yards last season you know um, or no, 810 yards last season. So, you know, a strong season. I feel like, I th- I feel like Williams might have had over 1,000. And that was despite being pretty spotty with catching the ball. He, Absolutely. he made a lot of mistakes with that. Yeah, he did. He had 71 catches for 1,149 yards. So, you know, that's the, the most under-the-radar 1,000-yard season you could you could hear. And, and in terms of the offensive line, what they've done is, because I think the Chargers had pretty much the heaviest offensive line in the NFL over the last you know few years. And they got rid of Fluker. You know, they, now all of a sudden these guys. You look at Feeney and Lamp. These are guys that are around 308, 310. They've totally readjusted how they're going to play play off how their offensive line is going to play. And like you say, those two boys are going to plug in either at left guard and right guard, or or right guard and right tackle, depending on how they do it from from day one. And you could see them being there for ten years. 
And they got Sam Tevy as well, who uh, he, he played both left and right tackle. So yep. he's going to be a backup, but he's a guy that, that potentially, they got him in the sixth round, but potentially could cover and, and be better from 2018 going forward. So I like what they did. I also quite liked, and I'm a bit of a homer here, but I quite like what Green Bay did, picking up Kevin King Ooh. at the top of the third, the top of the second. Talking about your own teams is but, terrible. But I quite liked it. I quite liked it. You no, know, I thought Ted Thompson killed it, actually. Yeah, they, 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 they drafted four defensive players with their first four picks, three running backs, g- getting rid of Christine Michael and Don Jackson. So yeah. it's almost like they're throwing a, a, a dart at, a dartboard and hoping that one of those three running backs sticks and I quite, I kind of quite like what they did so uh, apologies think, for doing that guys. I think Malachi Dupree the guy they took 247th could yeah. be a um, could be a real you know a, a sleeper pick for them because this is a five star recruit out of high school who didn't quite get it at LSU but has bags and bags of talent mm. he's the sort of guy that could explode in that in that system um, the other one that I wanted to throw out there just as a less of a fashionable one, but one that I just think that we say don't draft for need. But these guys, considering they only had eight picks last season and lost some key pass rushes as well. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, Malik Hooker, yeah. potential top oh, yeah. five talent taken at 15. Players a deep safety in a three. And I think if Quincy Wilson can advance to being a starter in year one, he opposite Vontae Davis makes two really good press Enough corners and really suit what Pagano does. Well, yeah, I mean, but I mean a starter quality, not necessarily a yeah. starter from day one. And then Terrell Basham in the third is a big position of need, another probable one-day starter. And even beyond that, Marlon Mack in behind Frank Gore, who, what, he's about 82 now. Um, mm-hmm. Anthony Walker has three-down potential. I didn't like the Zach Banner pick, but beyond that, I thought they had a decent draft. And then I'll say it because to mean that Sherry doesn't have to. Um, the New England Patriots, they might have only had four picks. But they got Derek Rivers and Antonio Garcia in the mid-80s, who a lot of people had as second-rounders in terms of their grading. And it's the fact that they went, right, we might only have two years left of Tom Brady. We're very much in the win-now mode. We've just come off the Super Bowl. So we've turned picks into Brandon Cooks, Coney Ely, Dwayne Allen, Barkevius Mingo, Carl Van Noy, Mike Gillisley. So really, they've with those trades, they've used their draft to upgrade their roster as much as they could and I can't really fault what they did annoyingly the, the Gillisley move was the most predictable and maybe one of the, be- one of the best of the offseason right let's talk about teams whose draft we didn't like where maybe this will get a bit more contentious and we'll start with you Matt Sherry uh, teams who I didn't like I mean it's a weird one this year because I, I didn't think there were any that really were terrible simply because the draft class was so strong that you kind of liked them all. I, I think the jury's out on the on the Raiders draft because ultimately it's going to depend on what happens with Conley. I mean, I'm, you kind of hope and assume that they've made that decision with with censored play, kind of. You know what I mean? That that, that they know what they're doing there. Um, I wasn't massively in love with what the what the Rams did, to be quite honest. Although I can at least see that they were getting. The kind of pieces that will work for Sean McVeigh. Yeah, it's 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 one of those ones. It's you're going, you're in rebuild mode. Our skill position players, the ones you need to be throwing all of your picks at. Yeah, I mean, I think they would argue that ultimately their defense is going to be strong anyway, and the the need to put something around Jared Goff. Um, now, the Seahawks were really interesting to me. I love Malik McDowell as a pick. I love him to the Seahawks. They still had to pick Forrest Lamp in that situation, and and the fact that to me, it, I really like the the Ethan Porsage pick, but 
I much preferred the guy from Ohio State, Elfleen, as well as the as the centre available in the draft. I think if they'd have come away from the draft with Lamp and the centre, I'd have loved their their draft as well. But they picked up a, a lot of players. That was a really large draft class, and I'm not sure I was hugely in love in love with it because I look at that team and see that protecting Russell Wilson needs to become the absolute priority, and I'm not convinced they've done that again this off season. I'll tell you, people, one that stands out, and I think this is the one that stood out on day one more than anyone else, was the Bears. Glenn Morris tweeted us that the Bears are the biggest crap bags <laughs> for trading up. Good. Um, look, if Trubisky turns out to be a, a, a high-level NFL starter, a Hall of Fame quarterback, great. But it doesn't change the fact that the cost of the pick was higher than necessary. They were schooled out of those extra draft picks. Adam Shaheen in the second round didn't make sense to me. The tight end out of Ashland. In a tight end rich draft on days one and two, they've taken all developmental guys. And there are some later picks I like. Thought Eddie Jackson was an interesting pick. Um, Tariq Cohen's got some electric speed. Jordan Morgan's a good athlete and could be developed into a great blocker. But it's possible the Bears won't have a single first-year starter in this class. And they were 3-13 and 13 last year. Uh, another, another one as well, actually, that I'm kind of conflicted on because I really like Fournette as a player. The Jaguars, like, Cam Robinson was a good pick where they got him in the second round. But D.D. Westbrook, who they selected in the fourth round, might Degenerate. be the tosser ever to come into the NFL. Um, and, and Fournette just feels like a bit of a luxury pick for a team that can't afford it. And the fact that they haven't drafted a quarterback to at least put some pressure on Bortles is utterly ridiculous. Like, yeah, I, 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 I really I, I, thought they would take a quarterback relatively high and try and at least put something behind him that's viable. But at the minute, they've picked up his 50-year option and it's just like, well, we're going to close our eyes and blindly pretend that this has worked out the way we thought it would. When ultimately, I, if a guy's mechanics are randomly failing them in a season, you've got big problems. I, I, I think it's harsh to call Fournette uh, a luxury if he turns out to be as good as people think he is because he's there to do exactly what draft, you want him to do, which is... Luxury, but, it, but it's to take... He's there to take the pressure off ball. Yeah, exactly. They need a consistent running game. And that's also why Cam Robinson... Those first two picks are about the quarterback, even if they were a tackle and a running back. That's the idea but of my, being there. And with Coughlin, they'll want to go to that much more run-heavy scheme. And I'll tell you what, I think Alan Robinson... And giving Blake Bortles enough time in the pocket, they could become a really interesting play-action team this year. That's what they did well, really, was... really well. In the season where he had flashy numbers and, OK, a lot of those were uh, garbage-time numbers and whatever else you want to call them, the play-action game was really strong that season. And so I think they've tried to... They, they've gone all-in on Bortles, which I think is a mistake, but at least they've done that in the right way. The, the flip side, though, to that is... I love Fournette, absolutely love him, but my issue is that... I like the kid from Alabama who they drafted two years ago whose name has ludicrously escaped me. Please tell me. Uh, Is it Yeldon? From Alabama. Yeldon. Yeah. I, I, I like Yeldon and I, and I don't think at any point he's been given a chance to succeed behind what's been a teared offensive line for the two seasons that he's been there. He now just becomes a, a guy who I think they drafted in either the second or third round who you kind of say, well, you're basically the backup running back. Everything we've seen suggests that there's put him behind a decent line, he has the potential to be a starting calibre running back and, and, and kind of that workhorse back as well. So what I'd ask is, did they already have a, a guy on the roster good enough to perform that role and could they afford when they had the fourth pick to, to basically draft a running back? It's a difficult one for me. I think with Dallas last year, it made so much sense to get Ezekiel Elliott for that team. 
I don't necessarily agree with Rafner running back at the, four. The Jags, the Jags' offensive line is a car crash. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a disaster. I mean, I mean they, really they brought in Brandon Albert, who was who was decent for us, but uh, you know, can't you can't rely on him for an entire season. And then beyond that point, and he's never healthy. No, exactly. You know, Cam Robinson will probably could play right tackle, could play guard. Will probably shift to left tackle when the inevitable happens and Albert gets injured. But in terms of your guards and your, your you know your interior alignment is just a it's just a car crash. And I actually think Kelvin Benjamin's one of those. I know Fred, uh, Fred Kelvin Beach. I'm sorry. I know friend of the show and everything, but I think that they gave him his year of rehab that he needed, and next season. No, uh, the Jets will reap the benefit. <laughs> exactly. That that seems bizarre to me. But yeah. um, uh, were there any Jets, that stood out to you, Clancy? Yeah. yeah the well, the Jets. Jets was one that I had on my list massively. The Jets. I mean, I, I wasn't into. You know, obviously the safeties play. You know, Jamal Adams is a terrific player, uh, and obviously safeties are important in the in the. Um, in the scheme of uh, uh, of their uh, head coach's name inexplicably escapes me. Todd Bowles, um, Todd Bowles of course. Um, uh, I wasn't overly fussed. I, I, I like Ardarius Stewart, I've got to say, but they're kind of, you know, two safeties. Two. It was almost like they were picking sort of two by two by two. Uh, I also thought the Rams had a really average draft. You know, Gerald Everett is a very yeah, raw, small school tight end. I mean, I know they didn't have a first rounder, but then you come back with Cooper Cup, who's a you know four seven receiver, or probably you know. He's fine. John Johnson, fine. Josh Reynolds, fine. I like the Abbey Cam pick. I think he's a really potential to be a terrific sort of um, uh, pass rusher in um, in nickel sets. Sam Rogers, obviously, who's uh, who's uh, Ollie's guy, is great. Juan Price. What? What? It's kind of a bit of a whatever draft, really. You know, I just um, there was nothing on there that that stood out. And just for, for for the players that were on the board when they picked, you just think, you know what, you could have done could have done a bit better. I think just to, just, to, just to come back to that Jets one again, I mean, you mentioned Jamal Adams, unbelievably good prospect. Marcus May, and then they went three pass catchers with their next three picks. And I just, yeah. it comes back to that thing about a team in rebuilding mode who already had starters at both safety spots in Marcus Gilchrist and Calvin Pryor and had some depth at receiver already. And I know you're not meant to draft for need, but there is a point at which you've got to strike the right balance. And they just didn't do that for me this year. Yeah, and you, you know, you've problem, got guys... The, go on, sorry, mate. The, the problem they're going to have with that draft class is when Bowles inevitably gets fired yeah. next year, then the whole point of it is going to... is going to Unless they've told Todd Bowles and Mike McCagden you've got two years, then I'm I'm kind of a bit more okay with the class. But a t- I think that's the worst roster in the NFL. It is the worst roster in the NFL. At safety was probably where they were one of their better positions. Yeah. But they yeah. drafted two with their first Bizarre. picks. I mean, they now, were clearly this, this... trying to move Calvin Pryor as well over draft weekend. So, but you, you look at that team. I mean, who's going to start? Is it Josh McNown going to start a quarterback? Are they going to give Christian? I mean, if you're not going to give Christian Hackenberg the 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 reins this year, then you might as well just get rid of him because next year they're you know you're looking at potentially six first round quarterbacks with Sam Darnold, with Josh Allen, with Lamar Jackson, with Josh Rosen, with Mason Rudolph and Luke Falk just straight off the bat. I mean, there's potentially six kids to go in the first round there. You know, and the Jets are going to be like, I mean, the Jets are going to be picking the top five without uh, unquestionably. So that you know, unless you, you might as well no. give Hackenberg the chance because you're not going to, you're not making the playoffs this year anyway. And uh, you can't go in and say to the guys, look, we're going to tank this season because we we're we're going to pick an you know an elite quarterback next year because you know and, guys and are competitive. If Hackenberg is if, if Hackenberg is the reason that you tank, you then get to go yeah, out then and so get be it. Sam Darnold or Joshua Allen and because and Josh Josh McCown isn't your answer. Bryce Petty's not going to be your answer. And if Hackenberg, you know, if he plays really well, then Okay, all of a sudden you got something. If he doesn't, then you know that you haven't got anything. You get rid of him and you move on. That's but you know, I just don't understand yeah, I, what they're doing. 
Um, the, the other one that was interesting to me, and this comes back to the point that Sherry made right at the beginning of this category in terms of it's such a strong draft class this year that it's difficult to pick out the people who didn't do well. Yeah. So I think you've kind of got to go with what people did systematic, <laughs> systematically yeah. and scheme-wise. That's what I was trying to say. And the Baltimore Ravens, right? I understand there were holes on their defense after they lost Zach Orr and Timmy Jernigan. And I get that Ozzie Newsom loves to draft defensive players, especially ones out of Alabama. And I even like the four players they took in the first three rounds. Like, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Tyus Bowser, uh, Chris Warmley and Tim Williams all have potential to have impact this year. But by the end of day two of the draft and through all of free agency, all Baltimore had done to help Joe Flacco was sign Danny Woodhead yeah. and a fourth round guard. Now, they have to hope that new defense restricts teams to like 16 points per game. Otherwise, they're really not going to compete with the Steelers at the top of that division. Missed opportunity, I, I think. think it, it says as much about Flacco as it does about the Ravens. In that they just clearly think, well, he's not that good. It is what it is. We build our defence to be as good as it can possibly be and we think we're good enough to win a Super Bowl. And I wouldn't be massively surprised if they're proven right on that because they've got a really good coordinator. The defence was really good last year except for the back end wasn't great and you would think this year it could be better. I mean, I, yeah, I but when you think Ravens. about the defenses in the AFC with the Texans, the Jags, a, 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 a stellar defense. You've got the Broncos. You've got the Patriots. And always going to be there. It's a defense-heavy well, league. So why would you bank on your defense in in a, a division in a league or that that is already stacked? Because I I just don't think they think they could make their offense good enough to compete with those defenses anyway. So look why at, not just look have at their a serviceable offense and a great defense? Look at their skill position talent. You look at their run. Javorius Allen, Kenneth Dixon, Stephen Houston, Lorenzo Taliaferro, and Danny Woodhead are their running backs. Receivers are Kenny Bell, Michael Campanaro, Chris Matthews, Vince Mayo, Chris Moore, Mike Wallace, Keenan Reynolds, Perriman. Mike Wallace, and Brashad Perryman. And their tight. If you take Pitter, Wallace, and Perryman out. You look at the Titans, Nick Boyle, Crockett Gilmore, Darren Waller, Ben Watson, Max Williams and Pitter. You take Pitter, Wallace and Brashad Perriman out and you name me a player that, I mean, name me a player. And and even Brashad Perriman is one who... Yeah, I mean, Brashad Perriman has struggled with injury and with, you know, uh, some issues there. Max Williams is a guy who could become a guy, but has, you know, shown little propensity to do so. I mean, he was on IR with a knee injury last season. I mean, where I, where... Com- I completely agree, but I, I think from a Ravens perspective, why I wouldn't count them out is their coaching's so good that even with a a fairly average team with one great unit, I think the Ravens could, could really cause some problems in the AFC. And I mean, to me, the AFC this year is just is, is just loaded. I mean, the, you mentioned the Patriots defence last. I mean, they, they led the NFL in scoring all-time defence last year in terms of just scoring. And They've kept Malcolm Butler at the moment, so they've got a ridiculous secondary. So there, there are so many good teams with great defences, but I think the Baltimore have looked at it and thought, if we have a, a good defence and, and an average to lower average offence, are we going to win? Probably not. If we have a lower average offence and a great defence, can we win? And they'll think, with the edge that coaching gives them, that they have a chance. Yeah. And I don't think that they could solve both issues in the same year. So attack that one unit first and then look at it again next year and try and bring, bring the offence up to a similar level. Yeah. That's worked really well for the Jags over the last couple of years. Uh, Ollie, were there any that jumped out to you, mate? No, the, the, all the same. Um, Detroit, I wasn't too, you know, a bit meh 
but other than that, I, I agree with all. Well, let's let's talk about the next uh, category then. Uh, a, a big one question is always about value in the draft. Tom Knight tweeted asking us for the best value pick that we picked out across the draft. I, I think it's a, a too obvious a question to ask. Um, I, we could, you know, you could go. Well, getting Jake Butt in the fifth round if he's healthy when he's a second round prospect. That's all great, but I want to know about players you think could have an instant impact outside of the first round. And I feel like you're not allowed to say Joe Mixon. Okay. Well, Dalvin Cook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, why Dalvin Cook? <laughs> well, because he's just going to... He's way better than Latavius Murray even at this point. He's an all-round back. He's basically got as far away from Florida as possible, which I think was important as well. And Yeah, he's, he's a great player. I mean, just read the latest issue of Gridiron for Simon's piece. We thought he was... Well, Simon thought he was the best running back in the draft. I thought he was very much in the conversation. And... A great pick in the second round, and I think if you were weighing up him or Mixon at, at a similar point when they were drafted at a similar point, I, I would definitely have given the edge to Cook. I in really terms like... of not necessarily in terms of talent, but in terms of I'd rather have Cook than 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 the guy who laid a woman out. Yeah, I really like um. There's a few guys I like. We talked about Desmond King earlier on. Uh, Josh Harvey Clemens, who's a big safety, who went to the Redskins and picked 230. But there's a there's a section in the fourth round. There were six picks back to back to back to back to back. Starting with the Seahawks taking Tedrick Thompson, who's a bull hawking safety from Colorado at 111. I just, one, I just want to say, I'm imagining here, and, and I'm really glad you started at 111 because one of these picks is one of mine, but I'm just imagining Clancy sat on his sofa as these six picks come in, just getting <laughs> increasingly excited as he watches the coverage. so Tedrick Thompson the safety from Colorado Eddie Jackson to the Bears with the next pick from Alabama coming off a broken leg but potentially a first top 40 pick Rayshawn Jenkins to the Chargers at 113 another safety from the University of Miami a hard hitting little scrubby little safety that you know did well in the sort of post season pre draft build up Samaja P. Ryan, the, the running back who backed up Joe Mixon at, at, at Oklahoma, who went to the Redskins, pick 114. Arizona got a really good guard from Pittsburgh. Dorian Johnson, pick 115. And then Carl Lawson, pick 116. So that run of six players there, I think, could make a, you know some real impact across. You know, Thompson could be the replacement for Earl Thomas in terms of his ball-hawking ability, not a striker like like Thomas is. But ju- just in that six picks, you could get some really good players. It'll be interesting to monitor how they, how they develop. I had Carl Lawson at 116 as one of mine. If he's healthy, and I get that's a, a caveat, uh, considering his medical evaluations, yeah. had him off some boards. But his production as a pass rusher was up there with Derek Barnett's and up there with Miles Garrett's. And he comes off the board 100 picks later than both of those. Uh, you know, big bull rush guy, some of the strongest hands in the class. I really like Carl Lawson. Um, Sorry, the, four, the fourth round overall actually is a really good round. I mean, there's another couple of guys as well who also ironically went back to back. Dallas took Ryan Switzer, the receiver from North Carolina, who'll end up replacing uh, what's his name, the 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 um, slot guy that they've got now. No, 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 Cole Beasley. And the Packers took Jamal Williams from BYU, who I think could be a really, really good running back um, and, and could yeah, fit really great. well. Damn you taking my pick. Damn uh, I'm sorry. And then the 49ers took Joe Williams, the running back out of Utah, who left the school. But, uh, he, he got depression after his sister died um, and sort of left the school. And it, he was off a number of teams' boards. And in fact, ironically, he was off the 49ers' board. And then Carl Shanahan persuaded um, John uh, Lynch that he should take a second look at him on draft morning. So on draft morning, Lynch had a 45-minute conversation with 
with um, Williams, who explained that you know he tried to leave the team because he couldn't cope with the fact that his sister had died and it was all getting too much. Came back and absolutely ripped off 100-yard games after 100-yard games. His final career game was a 300-yard rushing game. But some teams had taken off the ball because they thought he had sort of sketchy personality and whatever, and he was a bit of a flake. I think he could be a really, really good pick for the 49ers. That, that fourth round could, you know, when we look back in five, ten years' time, it could be a, a really, really good round. I think particularly with Carlos Hyde having his various injury problems he's had over the last couple of years, but either as a complimentary back or as a, a longer-term replacement, and I'm with you. If you've not read Peter King's Inside the yes. Draft Room piece from the 49ers where they, he talks about that phone call and about the fact they had Ruben Foster on their board and they'd have taken him at three of the Bears had taken Thomas and all that other stuff, it's a really, really interesting piece, 49ers fan or not. As they always are, those pieces are inside the war, and there's another good one from the Browns uh, with um, uh, was this the Mike Silver from NFL Network? So yeah, they they're well all well worth a read. Um, the read. Um, to make sorry, to make a Homer pick as well, and I'm sure Simon, despite not saying it, loved this pick as much as I did. But <laughs> Derek, Derek Rivers, the uh, edge rusher yeah. from Youngstown State, has a chance to do some good things in year one with the Patriots because they'll, they'll have Trey Flowers as a guaranteed starter, but. Opposite him, I think he'll very much be in the rotation with Corny Ailey and as the other pass rusher. So yeah, he has a, lot a chance of, to make some noise there. A, a lot of people had him as a top fifty overall player, and he went what eighty two. I thought the Dolphins had an outstanding draft. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the Dolphins actually had a pretty good draft. I must say. They, they are one, if you look at people's draft grades articles, and I know draft grades are nonsense, but they're a team which people are pretty undecided on. Uh, I've seen them get A's, and I've seen them get. You know, B minuses and C pluses and stuff, but I they look pretty good to me up and down. I was happy. I was happy, <laughs> and that's actually all that matters. And for more thoughts, go to @psychfancy <laughs> on Twitter because there were plenty of Dolphins tweets over the weekend. Um, what about uh, on the other side of the coin? A kind of risky pick. Whoa, 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 what about me? What about oh, sorry, me? Ollie. Oh, that's that is disgusting. That's a disgrace. What about me? Uh, no, uh, what about me? me uh, Please, uh, please can I have me. some more? Uh, Steve, we've we've mentioned him already, but Tui Kolo Vatu. Um, I like at the very end of the of round seven. He's been likened to Brandon Williams, big nose tackle. Um, I think he's he's excellent in run defense. He was uh, the best run, best nose tackle in run defense last year. I think he could he could slot quite nicely into that Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, defense. That's for my two penneth. Plus, I like his no, name. No, I'm going to say Chad Kelly. Who? <laughs> Chad <laughs> Kelly's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of talent. He's just a you know can can Denver get can Denver get his head straightened out? Because actually, uh, the, the the difficult thing for Kelly is that he went to a position where he went to a team. I mean, it would have been better for Chad Kelly to go undrafted because now he's in a situation where he's not going to get many snaps because essentially there's a, there's a battle between Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon. Yeah, that's true. They've got two young quarterbacks. <laughs> How many snaps is he going to get? I mean, he's not going to get a lot of snaps. And actually, that's what he needs. He needs reps and he needs to work because he's the sort of guy who, if he's not getting action, is going to, you know, could blow up. And that's mm. exactly what Denver don't need. I think the best thing for Chad Kelly would have been to go undrafted. He could have picked where he wanted to go and he could have found himself in a much better situation than he is stuck behind a Simeon who started a lot of games last year and was up and down, but played all right at times. And Paxton Lynch, who's seen as the future. That That's a, you know, we'll see. Uh, what about then moving on, sorry, Ollie, well, uh, to mm. the kind of 
risky pick predicted busts not the mitchell trubisky award but um i had kind of three or four in here and again this falls into the category of i don't necessarily dislike any of these players but where they've gone whether it's fit or position of the pick first one evan ingram to new york Giants. now we talked about the fact that we liked ingram before the draft and i don't dislike the player he's gonna catch so many passes but do, gonna... do you really feel like he's basically an oversized slot receiver? And well, when you've fine, got Sterling Shepard already, and you've got Brandon Marshall, and you've got Odell Beckham, I liked David and Joku more as well. It just didn't, it, that, in that yeah, position, I, I think it didn't make sense. Um... My main issue with it is I, I like Engram a lot, but I like him in a team that has a good block and tight end that's established because it's just so easy to scheme him off the field if you're going to play if, a tight end. And ultimately, if he's on the field, then I think we said this in the pre-show, you're literally just going to match up to him as a receiver, so you kind of lose that match-up nightmare that tight ends can create. I think they're going to play him all over, and I think because they I mean, they got the best out of Odell Beckham last year by moving him into the slot and moving him around. I think I think he'll just beca- end up becoming a match-up nightmare. Really do. I, the, the fact is, they, they play the most three wide receiver sets in the league. That was one of the stats last year. They got hugely overplayed. But, you know, that, so there is potential for that. But I just, it felt like the value where it was, what else their needs are, everything else stacked up. You also plant them into a, a proper luxury. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree taking him over. I mean, don't forget they've got Brandon Marshall as well. You've got Brandon Marshall, Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard. You know, and then you've got, you've got Engram at tight end. I mean, that's... I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. He's gonna make hay. I really do. I also made the, did the same thing uh, as well. If we, on the other side of New York, I, uh, Marcus May. We've already mentioned it, but it just made no sense to me. Not only is he a bit of a below-average athlete, and he's got injury history, and he's been suspended in the last two years, but when you've already got Calvin Pryor, Marcus Gilchrist, and Jamal Adams now, just bizarre. Anyone else that stood out to anyone? I think John Ross. Oh. Yeah, John Ross. Definitely. I think he's got the pot- the potential. You know, he could he could get injured or um, over utterly overshadowed by the two already great players at the Bengals, um, Eifert and AJ Green. Uh, we don't really he's we don't really know exactly how good this guy is. Is he or is he just a speed merchant? We, can Andy Dalton even throw the ball that far? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I, he could he could just fade away. But then he could have a really high ceiling. But I think John Ross at, at nine as well has the potential to be a bit of a, a bit of a bust. I think Zay Jones is going to have to be really good really quickly for that pick to pay off. I mean that that mm-hmm. that Browns uh, Bills receiving core. I mean Corey Brown, Jeremy Butler, Desmond Lewis, Colby Listerby, Walt Powell, Corey Washington. Brandon and they haven't Tate. picked. They haven't picked. They haven't up, picked up um, the, uh, the fifth year option on Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I mean that's, that's he's going to have to be somebody... good quickly. Somebody tweeted us about that, and maybe we'll answer it on the end of the pod after we finish the draft stuff. But not picking up the fifth-year option, the only time that ever makes sense is because it's guaranteed for injuries, and it only really makes sense to not do it if you've got a player with a real significant injury history. And funny enough, Sammy Watkins is that. But yeah, I, I think uh, you're absolutely right. Zay Jones is a good one. I'll tell you one, Alvin Kamara to the Saints, right? Yeah. Why have they the done Saints, that? <laughs> right, like, I, I get that Alvin Kamara is a good Kamara. player. Yeah, but... What happened to A, them going all in on defense in a defense stack draft, but also trading their 2018 second rounder to move up and pick a guy yeah, it was, who... It was absolutely ludicrous. ...wasn't needed by the team anyway, and particularly at that point. The, the thing is as well, ultimately, with the Saints, like, he's a great player, and he, he will look really good with Breeze. He runs great routes as a receiver, but ultimately, they've got a guy, I don't know if 
the, the re-signed Travaris Cadet. But Breeze makes him a perfectly serviceable third down back. And you've Cadet is... He is still there, and they've got they've got another third down back there as well, um, Daniel Lasco as well. You know they've yeah, got guys you, there. You've got Peterson obviously and Mark Ingram. I mean, it's just ludicrous now, isn't it? But yeah. I think Sean Payton is ultimately the kind of guy who can't help himself. Like it's, <laughs> it's kind it's of it's a shiny new toy, and Sean Payton. Yeah, I, just, I, I, I really believe that. I mean, give it next year's second. And when are they going to lay it? I, mean, I, sp- I suppose the flip. I suppose the flip side to that is that Peterson's thirty-two, and you don't know what you've got. Ingram is only twenty-seven, but a lot of miles on the clock. A lot of miles on the clock at Alabama. So you just wonder, you know, is he just thinking ahead? But generally, it's just a. I, mean, I almost swore there. Generally, it's just. <laughs> a, um, I, I almost said a really bad word. Um, no, just no. But the thing, the thing is as well, like, how many years of the Saints like pushed cap room and draft picks? Oh, we'll worry about that next year. Well, you've just lost your second round pick from last next year. You and also, you look at that receipt. You know, if you really want to help, um, I've just was well, eh? well, you know. And, and, you, and uh, hey, the thing is, you know what? The fact they're in the NFC South with those other really good teams means it should be a nice high second round pick. Thank you very much. If you really want to help out Drew Brees, then get him a receiver, because you know Brandon Coleman, Corey Fuller, Ahmad Forward, Jake Lampman, Tommy yeah. Lee Lewis, Willie Sneed. <laughs> you Jordan, love naming these terrible receivers. Jordan calls, Williams, Lambert, and then Ted Ginn and Michael Thomas and Travin Gerrard. I, mean, I, I mean, love come Michael, on. Ma- Michael, uh, yeah, Michael Thomas is going to be really special. Oh yeah, he's a good player. Him and Sneed are good, but outside of that, the cupboard is is very bare. It was just a massive luxury pick, wasn't it? It was, and as you say, to give up the second round pick is is utter madness. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, John Lynch has Gary got a lot Conley? of praise. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, go on. Maybe. John Lynch has got <laughs> a lot of praise, rightly so, in, in, in elements of this draft. But it was reported like 10 picks earlier that the, that the Saints were willing to give up their second round pick. So uh, at, at that point, if he didn't do the deal, he would have been an idiot. It's hard to give the, the, the 49ers too much praise for that trade. Uh, uh, yeah, I jokingly mentioned Gary and Conley there. He is obviously a risky pick. Anyone else that really stood out to anyone... Uh, I, I, you always think with the risky picks, it has to be in the first couple of rounds, probably, because when you get out of say, out of day two, day three, anyone you're picking up is a bit of a flyer. Um, Ryan so Ramchick, no... sorry to ha- to hate on the Saints, but <laughs> Poor I, I, Saints. Ryan Ramchick is a one year starter, a guy who hates inside movement. You can set him up, set him up outside, set him outside, and then you can kill him inside. You know, well, I, the, and, and the, they've ultimately given up Brandon Cooks for. I mean, yeah. come on. It's yeah. stupid. And they've also said, you know, what, what does that say about Andrus Pete, who they took a couple of years ago in the first round? Because I assume that Tyrone Armstead is still going to play on the outside. So where are you going to play Pete? Or are you going to move Ramchick inside to guard? I mean, you know, they could potentially they could potentially have Armstead and uh, and Ramchick at tackle, Pete and, I don't know, Larry Warford at guard and Max Unger at centre. And it's a really good offensive line. And God knows it's going to be for the 89,000 times you're going to run the ball, given your running back uh, situation. But C- Can we... Can we work out some players on defence that they could have picked with these selections? Like, Melifonwu definitely is a guy that they could have picked. Yeah, I mean, they like, could have... There's, there's just so many players that they could have got. They could have taken Buda Baker, spots. Malik McDowell. Yeah. I mean, they took Marcus Williams, who, uh, the 42nd pick, who I really, really like. But, you know, uh, where they were with the 32nd, you could have taken a Kevin King, a Cam Robin, uh, a Malik McDowell, a Buda Baker. You know, there's, there were players on the board that you could have taken. All agree. So, so let's add their draft to the ones that we heard. 
I love their first pick. Uh, right, let's uh, let's talk then. Yeah, well, they had something fall into their lap, didn't they? Uh, Nick Boyd asked us on Twitter, who are your early contenders for offensive and defensive rookies of the year, given the spots they landed in? Um, I, I, we'll just go around the room and, and uh, see if anyone's got some interesting ones. But it felt like last year there were there was a real standout in... in um, uh, in Ezekiel Elliott on the offensive side and on the defensive side, I think we all said Joey Bosa if he could, you know. I was the only one that said Joey Bosa, and you laughed me team. out. So yeah, no, nobody, nobody said Bosa. Everybody said it was ridiculous, except for Ollie. So let's not. I just didn't. I didn't want to give Ollie praise. Don't forget, uh, though. Will once said that Dwayne Allen was going to be MVP of the league. I said no, that. was Oh, sorry, Ollie. And he said yeah. he'd be an All Pro. I That's believed in. Said. I believed in Dwayne. He let me down. <laughs> sorry, dude. You should believe it in this year, Ollie. Oh, there God. we go. Uh, so, uh, who who do we <laughs> <laughs> who do we like as our offensive uh, rookies of the year first? I got four names for you. I bet one of them is one that I've got. But go on. I've got OJ Howard at Tampa. Oterius yeah. Jabari Howard. Yes. Joe Mixon at Cincinnati. <laughs> mm-hmm. The NFL, I love gonna, that. He's not gonna. He's not gonna. He'll get never win it. Well, never I win mean, it. If, he's gonna have to have a two thousand yards. Well, <laughs> I mean, God knows it's possible. He's gonna have to break the rushing record <laughs> if he's gonna have any chance of winning that. And he record. still won't get it. Jamal Williams at Green Bay, <laughs> and Evan Engram with the Giants because he's gonna catch so many balls. <laughs> wow, so many balls. Uh, when was the last time a, a tight end had a great? He's gonna catch season. so many balls. I can't. I can't think of one. Not of <laughs> I, I think that the best I can think of was Hernandez with the Patriots who outshined. Grant what happened to him? That's incredible. Oh, that was funny. Um, I I really like Mike Williams as an outside chance, depending on Keenan Allen's health. Uh, I think the I LA think you're. Char- I think the you're LA Chargers banking. Can't have yeah. Another terrible season of injuries it just can't happen for like a third season in a row so i quite like I mean, there's, a, there's a correct there's a correct answer to this question and none of you have given it i've got it, it. Dalvin oh, Cook. Go. no it's christian mccaffrey oh yeah it is christian mccaffrey without christian question. mccaffrey because yeah. he is he is potentially score in a lot of ways yeah lots of ways that's if that's if cam newton's okay and giving up red zone rushing opportunities to anyone else that's not him uh, if that's the case, I reckon that uh, that Christian McCaffrey and at eight, the the fit, everything about him. I love this player. I, I'm I'm gutted that he. He's, he's gonna, yeah, go on. He's gonna get he's gonna get kick return touchdowns, which ultimately shouldn't yeah. count in offensive rookie of the year, but will in the, in the overall picture. Exactly, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving Christian McCaffrey. Good defensively. Who have who's everyone got? I think Malik Hooker. Uh, if the Colts aren't totally rubbish elsewhere, he he's probably got at least four or five interceptions in him. How many of those go for pick sixes? I don't know, but I love that pick at fifteen, and I really I think, think you're right, I think he's a fantastic-looking yeah. player. He's a, he, I got three players. I think he's I mean, one of them. Total agreement, Dolly. Uh, uh, he could get like six, seven interceptions. Malik Cooker is one. He's going to throw the ball a lot on the Colts. Two pass rushers, I think, who are just going to come in in sub packages to 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 rush off the end like um like Olden Smith. We know did. who uh, one of these is going to be. One is Tim. <laughs> one is Tim Williams at Baltimore, and the other is Charles Harris in Miami. I think both of them are of just primed for sub package. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> primed for sub package. Ding 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 ding. 
sub-package uh, pass rushers who could en- end up getting double-digit sacks. Williams especially. I mean, he's got a ridiculous first step. I mean, he's a moron off the field, but, you know. What about Jonathan Allen? Yeah. I mean, he's not. Pro- he's probably not going to do enough to be flashy you, enough to... You need to, those splashy numbers, do, don't you? That's why you, sub-package that's pass what, rushers exactly. are a good shout. Exactly, which yeah. is why I Miles chose... Garrett is, a, is an obvious one yeah. in the first pick. Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> the forgotten man. <laughs> I, I like that nobody mentioned Leonard Fournette, but Miles Garrett is definitely the other one that needs a, uh, needs a shout. Maybe Derek Barnett? Maybe. No, he's too slow. Maybe. Look, I'm fully aware that uh, our man needs to get out. In, I have uh, to go. Simon Clancy. He's getting out of Dodge. Job. Uh, so let's let him go Clancy always good fun and we promise we'll get you on when it's not draft season oh that's really kind of you we've now we've now got a whatsapp group so you can uh, you can get more involved more often I'm always involved and Clancy that stuff you were telling us beforehand let us know how it goes later of course I will great thanks mate we can talk about it on the uh, we can talk about it on the touchdown tour later yeah, on yeah. see what I did there yeah. see what I did I, I see what Touch you did down nice gridiron tour yes. we, we got there eventually uh, bye so boys thank you Simon see you later <laughs> uh, uh, that, that kind of feeds nicely into the fact that coming up we are going to be speaking with the, the man the myth the legend behind the gridiron tour and touchdown trips whoa whoa, whoa he's uh, no myth Ben Mortimer no myth he's uh, real is he real I've, well I've he's not real. met him Cla- Clan- uh, Sherry's been and met him so actually I have met him that's not true I've met him in person a number of times. Yeah, what are you on about? Um, I never know what you're on about. (laughs) Yeah, what are you doing? I I, I never know. I never know, Sherry, what he's doing. um, I wanted to mention some of the London team drafts if we had time. And we've gone through quite a few of them. In fact, let's delete the Saints off the list. The one thing I will say for the Saints, I really like Alex Anzalone at 76. I think he is going to have a good impact early on uh, they should have just gone with defensive players earlier i think we've mentioned the dolphins even though we haven't really but it was enough for clancy Tay like the draft with that charles harris pick who would I have thought by the way sorry who would have thought that that would have wound up Forrest clancy Lamp or reuben foster <laughs> or whoever else yeah who would have thought who would have um, thought <laughs> god we've, we've talked about the la rams as well we've kind of talked about most teams um the arizona cardinals ones we have is one we haven't talked about yet and it could have it might be the most on-brand draft any team had in the whole thing. And I really like the first two picks. I think Hassan Reddick, both need and quality, and Buda Baker at the top of the second round, both kind of those really versatile guys who can be used in a number of different ways, uh, you know, in the same way Dion Buchanan and Tyron Matthew can. Um, yeah, I like their draft quite a lot. What's going on there, Sherry? What yeah, is what happening? is Sherry doing? He keeps... You know, Sorry, guys. I can't, I can't dip you when Will's talking because you're on the same fader. What can I do here? You know, you're, you're <laughs> Sorry, giving buddy. me zero options. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> right, that's Sorry, enough mate. talk about the Cardinals already. And um, it really the, was. <laughs> the, the Vikings, no first round pick, but they got a round one talent in the second round in Dalvin Cook. And a lot of people thought Pat F. Elfline, Elfine, um, was yep. the guy who should have gone in round two. So they almost got a first and second round pick. Um, uh, beyond that, I mean, uh, Jamil Johnson could end up being a really good pick in the fourth um, because he suits that Mike Zimmer system and he's big body guy. And I think that's what they like there. Um, but yeah, all in all, I thought that the, the London teams we hadn't mentioned have had a good draft. We won't mention the Saints or the Rams anymore. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Good stuff. Uh, 
Matty Sherry will say thank you to you at this point. Top stuff. We're efforting for a number of rookies from this year's class, so we'll be back over the next week or so with another show, and I'm sure Matt Sherry will be joining us well, so thank you to you. Let's move on and talk more about the Gridiron Tour with touchdown trips to the Deep South with uh, the man, the myth, not myth, legend behind uh, touchdown trips, Ben Mortimer. So joining us now to discuss the Gridiron Deep South Tour in association with brought to you by... The almighty touchdown trips. It is Ben Mortimer. Ben, uh, <laughs> a deserved <laughs> drum roll for you, Ben. Wow, it's a really long drum roll. So long. It, it uh, lasts for it lasts 40, 50 seconds. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but you've got to have an end to a drum roll. Wait, is there wait. an end on there? Wait, let me skip to the end. This is. Wait for it. Oh, that was a bit disappointing. <laughs> However, it's Ben Mortimer. <laughs> uh, hello, Ben. How are you? I'm I'm great, thanks, Will. How are you? Yeah, before we get to anything else, I'd like to apologise for when you join us at this stage in the show, because as you'll have listened back to it, by the point that you hear this, you will realise that I have spent at least five minutes slagging off the Baltimore Ravens draft policy. So I apologise for that before anything else. But we've got a far more exciting topic to discuss. We revealed the bare bones of the tour at the top of the show. But I, I think we should just go over it again because it is going to be an absolute cracker from the 4th of November onwards. Yes, it is. It is. It's, um, it's been a lot of uh, logisticizing. Um, is that the word? But uh, It is I'm now. Yeah, well, I mean, as, as we'd hinted at before, we were looking at doing a Saints game, and that was what was put out in the in the sort of spoiler um, about a month ago. And then, obviously, the NFL, being as difficult as they can be, decided not to put a game on to match with an LSU. So that created a bit of an issue. But I think we've got around it quite nicely with um, with a uh, Houston game to start with. And uh, yeah, I think it gives a really good mix. We were looking at trying to accentuate the Deep South and. and uh, I think starting on a direct flight into Houston will give people a fairly easy access into the U.S. and be able to t- chill out on the Saturday. Um, and starting with that portion of the trip, we've got a hotel that's just within walking distance of NRG Stadium, so we don't have to um, worry about um, slogging it on a bus or anything. We'll just Superb. Be able to over. Um, what date uh, is this, Ben? Okay, so the 4th of November is when the okay, tour great. starts. But that's not the game, that's the tour. So mm-hmm. the tour yeah, yeah, yeah. Fly out. Um, then we'll have the um, the Houston game the following day, which is Colts the... Colts at Texans, which has been historically over recent years a great game of football. It's a divisional game, and yep. it's yep. a divisional game, <laughs> and it's two massively improving teams. Yep. And there's a good chance we're going to see Deshaun Watson under centre for the Texans, and that much much improved Colts team that they're putting together. This this could be a real playoff battle at that stage of the season. And that defence as well. JJ Watt will be back. Jadavian Clowney is on fire. It's really, really exciting. It is. It should be it should be a, a heck of a defence that the, the Texans have. I think that the uh, you know, obviously the Colts with Andrew Luck, the much heralded Andrew Luck in the in the UK, Neil Reynolds' favourite player, um, should be um, you know, should be quite the battle to watch and I think it just depends on if the Texans can actually have some productivity at quarterback, um, then you might have yourself. Um, you know, quite a uh, quite a game. I think the Texans will keep themselves in it anyway throughout, just because they're going to have such a solid unit on defense this year. So I think I think it's a good start to the tour. Plus, the city of Houston really surprised us for the Super Bowl this year. We had a great time there, and the NRG is a great stadium yeah. as well. 
So all yeah. of that's really exciting. And, and we've, got, uh, we've got a really good hotel, Will, as well. It has, it has like a little outdoor pooly type area and uh, the potential for a barbecue, maybe. I don't know. Nobody, nobody wanted to hear that it has an outdoor uh, pool when uh, I'm on tour with them because yeah. uh, I do not look good in a speed. Whoa, 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 Will, life goals. You've got until that time to, you know, slim down. To, to lose 50 kilos. It, I believe in you, buddy. <laughs> I believe in you too. Man. You've been going to the gym and everything. It's great. I need to lose. I need to lose a whole Ollie Hunter from my weight. I mean, you are allowed to swim if you're a bit overweight. It is permitted. So yeah. it's it's more the look. I I'm much more of a stand by the grill in uh, fully clothed and get the barbecue going. Um, and are we? I you know I know the aim for the trip and we need to confirm these details. But we're also aiming to do a what we would call a a blue collar tailgate. Get involved with a local tailgate. Get down and get the authentic fan experience. And then Monday, I noticed we've got free time in Houston. Yeah. Yeah, let me back you up. Actually, the tailgate is confirmed, and that is going to be an authentic fan experience with Texans, with, with some Texans super fans as well, who will be at this tailgate. So that will be interesting. So we are confirmed for an amazing tailgate. Look at we that. Are. In Houston, yes, we'll have an amazing tailgate. Awesome. And then free time in Houston on the Monday. Maybe go and watch some Monday night football. Me and Ollie are talking Ben about the capacity for us to record live podcasts at some point. So we'll need to look into that so that we can do pubcasts in front of everyone who's available on the tour. And then we head to New Orleans, truly one of the greatest cities in America. Yes, I can't. That's it. Can't argue with that. It's, never, uh, never been. I'm so looking forward to it. It's my, it's my favourite. I'm not just saying this because we're going. It is my favourite American city, certainly for spending time in bars. And, and But the fact is, we were saying this earlier, there is going to be, if you want to come with another half, you want to come with a spouse, there's going to be other activities going on as well. This isn't just going to be about going to bars, going out for nightlife. We're going to get in all aspects, the great food, the great culture, yeah. the great nightlife as well. Um, and we've got a couple of free days in New Orleans. Uh, if you wanted, you'd be able to get involved in things like a tour of the swamp. We're hoping yeah. there'll be a home Pelicans game that day. Um, and then Friday night. And I've never been to see a high school game. So I'm as excited about this as anything else. We're going to do a Friday night lights experience. Indeed. Yeah, well, I'll be up in Baton Rouge. So, uh, yes, that will be, uh, I think, different to anything else on the tour because it's obviously uh, the, the sort of the town shows up and watches the uh, the high school team play and uh, amazing pressure on sort of 17, 18-year-olds, but um, they seem to handle it well. So I'm looking, I've never been to one either, so I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, and, and I think going back to the, the feel for the tour as well, we, we, we've been back and forth on this of how much... Um, organized activities you want and I think to you know to really kind of appeal to as many people as possible we're, we're trying to leave a couple of those days so people can uh, do what they want to do you know if you've been out at a game the night before for example and you want to lie in then you don't you know you're not forced to go on a bus somewhere and look at um, a vineyard or something like that so um, in New Orleans we'll actually have in place our partner who will be in the hotel to basically say if you want to do some of this stuff this is what we can do and people can just actually decide to go on a swamp tour or go on a you know distillery tour or go and see a plantation something like that and uh, uh, and, and also like a, a, a river dinner cruise um, outside the outside the hotel is a possibility if someone fancies doing that so and you can spend time with me and ollie all yeah. of these are exciting possibilities uh and then saturday night Tigers Stadium for some LSU action. I, I, one of the best stadiums in college football, over 100,000 fans, wonderful atmosphere and uh, and a great chance to experience college ball if you've never done it before. Well, Will and I did 
108,000 at Penn State. I think this one's bigger. And I can guarantee to anyone that being part of a crowd that big is just unbelievable. It's something that, you know, something you don't re- can't really comprehend until you do it. But it's it's fantastic experience. Yeah, it is a different thing to the NFL. And I think having that contrast will be will be excellent. And, and we do have a bus that will be taking us to the to the game and parking in the parking lot. So we're going to kind of do a gridiron tailgate for that one. And oh, and I can also say as well, especially at these college games, if they if you tell them you're British and you go around chatting to people, <laughs> you get offered stuff, you get food, you get booze. I'm not saying, you know, there, there, won't, there won't be stuff for us, but people love the fact that you've come all this way and you're British. They want to hear you talk. It's just, it's just great being at these college tailgates. A different a different kind of tailgate to a, to an NFL tailgate as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can't wait. I mean, I've never been to Tiger Stadium either. So <laughs> it's, uh, and it's, uh, it's one of the, you know, obviously the top ones in, in college football, but the ta- they do tailgate hard. And I have shared a hotel with a bunch of LSU fans in Atlanta when they were there for the SEC championship. And they're also very, very nice people because in the, in the South of the U S you do find that people, um, it, it, regardless of if you're British or not, they're just extremely friendly. And, uh, so that'll be, That'll be a really good game. And then obviously that we go on to Atlanta the next day. Oh, the next two days are unbelievable. Well, that's unbelievable itself. But then heading to Cowboys at Falcons. We said this already. A potential NFC title game. Genuinely potential for that to be one of the most entertaining games of the season. Before Monday Night Football, we see the Dolphins, one of the biggest teams here in the UK, at the Carolina Panthers. Carolina, another stadium I've not managed to get to, but I've heard brilliant things about its atmosphere, its tailgate, everything else. You know, this is a true feast of football, but a great holiday beyond that as well. I am very excited. And do you know what I'm most excited about? A couple of things. Firstly, with the Falcon Stadium, go anyone that doesn't know what what it's all about, it's a new stadium. Go on. I, I think if you go Falcons HD, uh, no, uh, virtual tour on uh, on on the internet and look at this stadium, it looks unbelievable. One, I'm really excited about that. And then we go to Carolina, Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's and and the the good thing about both Atlanta and Carolina is the stadiums are downtown. So um, you're know, going to the uh, the the hotel is going to be. I think it's on Google. It's about ten to fifteen minutes walk from the, the hotel, um, which gives some flexibility as well for people. Um, but um, yeah, that's going to be I think a great way to finish the uh, the tour. And it's going to be a, a lot of people want to see Cam Newton in in, in person, kind of do his thing and. Uh, Hopefully the Panthers will have a rebound this year and, and be uh, competitive. I think they will be competitive this year, and um, you know that could be um, probably you know, one of the toughest divisions in the in the NFL, the NFC South. So now we discussed it earlier in the show, but this is uh, you know we we we've gone slightly above what we maybe said we were hoping to in terms of the initial pricing, but what we've done is we we canvassed the guys who had already put down a deposit. The positivity back from them over spending the extra three or four hundred pounds but getting the extra four days the extra game in just all of that included makes this a real real bargain uh, what is the next step for people who want to get involved who want to get involved on the tour how can they go about signing up what's the pay structure give us all the ins and outs as they were okay um well initially if you are interested it would be uh, a good idea to uh, either call or email us. Uh, emailing, obviously, a lot of people prefer doing that initially, so it would be um, send it to me, ben at touchdowntrips.com. 
to us, ben at touchdowntrips.com, or you can do info if you'd rather do the general email. But uh, that would be the way to go with that. If you want to call us, um, you can do that on 01904 Um And uh, those would probably be the best ways. We, we were going to have. Sorry, Ben, what was the number again? Uh, it says 01904 yeah. Great. Thanks, mate. Strong. Uh, yeah, um, and, uh, and and obviously register your interest. Uh, we obviously do have spots available because it's only going um, officially on sale tomorrow. Um, we You can hold your spot with a deposit um, deposit uh, amount. Some people have actually already paid deposits in good faith because they are so in, in excited about coming on the Deep South Tour. Um, we'll require a bit of a top-up on that. Um, obviously, we have various um, things we have to, um, have to hold, um, but essentially we're looking at an initial 250 deposit um, per person and then uh, balances will be due 12 weeks before travel so in a nutshell that's what you're looking at doing do you know that exact date Ben just have interest <laughs> oh boy I'm just figuring it out now we can put a time code in here okay uh, to remind you to pay uh, yeah. hang on a sec have a look um, so it's alright I'm, uh, I'm all over it here <laughs> Uh, uh, so the fourth week, because we've only got a few minutes here. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So it's about the twelfth of August. I've got. So we well, say it's always best to be a bit uh, to encourage people to pay a bit early. But uh, I'd say, um, I mean, obviously Friday the eleventh would be the absolute last date that people yeah. pay by. So um, say Friday the eleventh of August. Well, so you'll have until August to pay off the full amount just as we're starting off and kicking off the pre-season. So plenty of time to be able to pay off that full amount. And uh, just genuinely, we are so excited about the number of people that have already wanted to get involved. We are so excited about what we're going to be able to do with this tour and be able to offer such a brilliant experience for everyone. And Ben genuinely has been brilliant in finding the cheapest, most efficient, but also best way to do this. It's not just about, you know, saving the pennies. We've got great hotels every location direct flights you know we it's really is putting together something super special so there'll be more information at gridiron-magazine.com and at touchdowntrips.com as well and uh yeah i mean from friday morning we're go 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 ben indeed yeah i can't wait and i think it's going to be um it's going to be a lot of fun and the fact that we're all going to be on it as well um is going to make it um I don't know whether it'll make it any more enjoyable for people with us, but I hope it will. So uh, and we'll, <laughs> I think we'll do a good job, and it'll be it'll, it'll be. Uh, if I were to put something, I have put it together, but it, it, it's it's kind of. Um, I've, I've been to two games back to back, but I've never done this many. And I think if you really want to have, you know, a kind of amazing football trip of a lifetime, then um, for what we've put together, it's it's going to be a good one. Awesome stuff. Look, Ben, we will be getting you on, I'm sure, in the not-too-distant future to discuss this further. And we will keep getting people heading your way because this is going to be absolutely brilliant. Really excited for it. Thank you for coming on and joining us now. And, uh, yeah, look forward to tomorrow morning and, and seeing all the uh, excited people signing up. Yes, thank you, Will. And I'll talk to you all again soon. Brilliant stuff. Ben Mortimer from Touchdown Trips. So there will be more next week. We'll rejoin you here on the Gridiron Show. We are hefting at the moment to get some... Um get some guests on from the rookie class that has just come through speaking with the teams coming over to london as well and obviously look out in your inboxes for more information about the gridiron deep south tour ollie any final thoughts uh no i don't think so 
No problem. Well, you can find us on Twitter at Gridiron. You can find uh, Touchdown Trips on Twitter, Facebook, etc. as well. I'm at Will Gav. He's at Ollie Hunter. Thank you, as always, for listening, getting involved, tweeting us and everything else. This has been The Gridiron Show.